Today's scripture reading is from Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has authority over someone only as long as that person lives? For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law that binds her to him. So then, if she has sexual relations with another man while her husband is still alive, she is called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is released from that law and is not an adulteress if she marries another man. So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, Sin sprang to life, and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So then, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Did that which is good, then, become death to me? By no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death, so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Owen. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, we do bless you for your word. And thank you that by your spirit, we uh, can kind of sense you speaking to us. Thank you that we experience the Bible like no other book. We, we can tell that it's different because of your spirit. So God, thank you for that. Uh, help us now. Um, make your word make sense to us uh, and, and help us understand what you're saying. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're uh, continuing in a sermon series called uh, Unashamed of the Gospel. It's a series that's taking us through Paul's letter to the Romans. And it it has turned into kind of an extended thing. We did the first four chapters of Romans last fall and this fall looking at chapters five through eight. And as Owen just read for us, uh, we're, of course, today focused on the first half of Romans chapter seven. And this, this whole chapter, chapter 7, is really focused on unpacking the place of God's law in Christian discipleship. And if 
When you hear me say that, you think, oh no, here comes a bookish, boring sermon. <laughs> I hope that's not true. You can tell me after the fact. Um, but this, this really is a crucial element of understanding what our faith in Jesus actually means for our lives. This, this comes up a lot more often than you think. Uh, as a church, we're trying to read through the Bible in a year, and I know that some of you are continuing to do that. And you understand when you uh, try to read through the Bible in a year that when you look back, you spent a lot more time reading the Old Testament than you did reading the New Testament. You know, in my Bible, I think that the Old Testament is about 950 pages and the New Testament about 300. So when you read the whole thing, you spend 75% of your time in the Old and 25% and in the New. And the question for us as Christians really comes to, how am I to take the stuff from the Old Testament and apply it to my life today in Christ? It really comes up all the time. And in, in this letter to the Romans, Paul talks about God's law. He actually uses the word law 51 times in this letter. And when, when he uses that, the vast majority of the time he's referring to a Jewish law, meaning the law of God uh, given uh, to God's people through Moses uh, and, and recorded in the first five books of the Bible. And in Romans, Paul is assuming that his audience has a working knowledge of this law. He, he said that outrightly in the scripture we read today. Look at verse one. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I am speaking to those who know the law. And his assumption is that his hearers know this. And, and this is a big part of what makes Romans so powerful. Paul is using the law as a reference point to explain what it is that Jesus has done for people. You, you can read through the entire letter to Romans and, and track Paul's references to the law. And if you do that, you realize very quickly that his comments about the law are not very complimentary. Right, he says things like this, the law reveals sin. The law condemns the sinner. The law defines sin as a transgression of something God has directed. The law brings wrath. And then this, in Romans chapter 5, verse 20, the law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. You know, to which every faithful Jewish person said, what? How can you possibly say that, Paul? Are you saying that God's law came to us so that sin might increase? What are you talking about? This makes no sense. See, almost everything Paul has said about God's law up to this point has been negative. And, and in the passage today, he says that in Christ, we died to the law and are released from the law. But again, Paul wrote all of this to those who know the law, to his Jewish audience. And, and it takes just a quick glance to the Old Testament to know that a big part of Jewish faith is knowing and loving God's law. Look at Psalm 119. Great peace have those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. So all this kind of makes it sound like Paul is against God's law or, or, or maybe even that the way of Jesus is a way that opposes God's law somehow. But Jesus said this, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. In, in, in this chapter, Paul's trying to say, hey Christians, the law of God is very important, but let's all understand how it fits into our life in Christ. Because the path of following Jesus has a ditch on each side. 
And I want to keep your faith out of both of those ditches. The two ditches are legalism and license. Legalism, meaning a strict or excessive conformity to the law. License, meaning a sense of freedom that allows for irresponsible behavior. Now, the people who live by legalism uh, imagine their relationship with God to depend on their obedience to the law, and they seek to be both justified and sanctified through the stuff that they do by doing all all the things on their religious checklist, getting it all right and avoiding the stuff that's bad. Now, when a person lives with excessive license, this is the opposite of legalism. They, they go to the opposite extreme. They abandon any kind of religious code, moral code. Instead of over-focusing on the law, they ditch it, blaming it for their trouble and pursuing a life of freedom from it. So in, in the verses that we read today, Paul addresses both ditches, legalism and license. The first six verses are about legalism. And Paul's main point is that we've been released from the law in the sense of needing it for salvation. This is what he's getting at when he uses that, uh, that, that illustration of marriage. You know, he's saying, um, uh, it, it's like if you were married to your spouse, uh, if your spouse was alive, it would be completely inappropriate to pursue another person. But if your spouse dies, we all understand that, that it would be okay to remarry. That, that, would, that would be just fine. That, that's not breaking any kind of law. And Paul's, Paul's making that parallel. And, and what he's saying is, look, in, in the old covenant, there was this conditional kind of thing. Like, here's the law. If you obey, then you, you kind of get. But in the new covenant, in, in the New Testament, you know, God came to us in Jesus to fulfill not only his end of the covenant, but for, to fulfill our end of the covenant for us. So there's an entirely new way that is by grace and through faith, not based on conditional obedience. So Paul makes the parallel. So my brothers and sisters, this is in verse four, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. I mean, this is the the what, how, and why of our release from the law. What? We died to the law and its demands on us. How? By being united with Christ in his death. We died through the body of Christ. Why? That we might belong to Jesus, get a new identity, belonging to God, and bear fruit for God. And so Paul concludes in verse six, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not by the old way of the written code. You know, we don't make ourselves right with God by obeying the law, that's legalism. We don't make ourselves holy by obeying the law, that's legalism. In Jesus, the new way is the way of Holy Spirit-led service, not adherence to a religious code, that we we have to get it right. It's, it's, It's the difference between desiring to follow a person because you love them and Uh, fulfilling an obligation to which you feel bound. And the two choices couldn't be further apart. See, this this is avoiding the ditch of legalism, uh, living the way of Holy Spirit-led service. 
So Paul advances his argument. He's addressed the ditch of legalism. Now he wants to talk about the ditch of license. So if we've been released from the law, you know, if we died to it, if we're dead to the law, shouldn't we just put the whole thing behind us? Abandon it completely? I mean, what place should it have in our lives? We should just ditch the whole thing, right? Well, Paul says, wrong. That's the second half of the passage. Just because we're saved by grace through faith doesn't mean that the law is bad and we should bag it. Paul gets at this by asking a couple questions which people in his context were asking. What shall we say then? Based on this idea that we've been released from the law, what shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. And then later on in verse 13, did that which is good, meaning the law, then become death to me? By no means. In, in, in Paul's day, this, this idea caused some people to abandon the law entirely and essentially live by the motto, uh, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. I mean, since we're going to die so quick, let's just do what we want to do. We've, we've, we have this great freedom in Christ. Look, Paul has said it, how free we are in Jesus. Um, and this, this was not just a problem back then. This is a very real struggle for us right now. There are 21st century versions of this, this struggle with license or sense of excessive freedom, people who fall into the ditch of license, living with a sense of disdain for God's law and, and the moral guidance that it offers. You know, the scripture tells us that in, in some way, God has written his law onto the heart of every human being. And in some way, there's a rebellion going on in us where we want to push that down and live in opposition to it, act like it's not there, and do what it is that we want to do. And culturally in our day, that seems to be manifest by living with the idea that the only real moral code by which we ought to live uh, includes tolerating other people and accepting them. And this, this kind of code that says, you know, if it, if it doesn't hurt someone else, you can do it. Your life is your own. You call the shots. The only thing you either owe other people is your acceptance of them, which is largely interpreted as your approval of their choices. And this is the ditch of license, right? And, and, and it, it's, it's, a, it's a ditch for all of us. Christians can fall into this. If we begin to think that, uh, th- that, that sin that is so enticing to us, to which we've fallen before and we're enticed again, and, and if we kind of give up the struggle against it and and don't pursue ways of being freed from it. You know, we're driving our car down the road of faith and the wheels are getting over there toward the ditch. And you don't want to do that because people can get hurt when your car goes into the ditch. You know, the ditch of license is a very real thing even for followers of Christ. Uh, it, It matters what we do. Sin has negative consequences. And what Jesus wants is for every human being everywhere to be free from sin, its penalty, its power, and its presence. That's why he came to do what he did. So, the ditch of uh, legalism, the ditch of license, those are the things to avoid. Those are the things that God's law, uh, the ways they can be misinterpreted. So, a, a real question remains. I mean, if following Jesus means avoiding the, the ditch on both sides, then how does God's law fit into our life as Christians. I mean, in our heads, we might not be thinking this thought as we go about our daily lives, like, well, this, how, God's law speaks to this, and how do I apply this in this situation now that I'm a follower of Christ? But, but this comes up 
we actually confront this more often than we think. I mean, how is the Old Testament stuff binding on us today? In in what sense should we think of it? What what Paul is really saying here is that uh, as Christians, we can live like Jesus did in the sense that we can be free and in our freedom live as a law-fulfilling person meaning we're not in bondage to it, thinking we have to obey it to make ourselves right with God, nor do we abandon it, thinking that we're free from the law, free to do whatever we please. Christian freedom is a freedom to serve, not to sin. Right? And, our, and our service is guided by the Holy Spirit. Thus, the new way to serve. Right? Full of life, because we know that by God's grace and through faith, we've been united with Christ. We're no longer bound to the law because in Christ we've died to it. And being united with Christ, we're his bride and we serve because we want to, not because we think we should. John Calvin had three great points on, on how to think about the law as a Christian. Uh, we could think about it as a mirror, as a curb, and as a guide. You know, mirror, the law mirrors God's righteousness and reveals human sinfulness as a curb in the sense that the law restrains evil until the final judgment. It's not perfect, but it does restrain human wrongdoing. And as a guide, because the law guides us toward a life which is pleasing to God. So that this is the place of God's law for the follower of Jesus. We reject legalism and the self-righteousness it assumes. And we reject license and the freedom to sin it assumes. We love God's law and seek to fulfill it in our lives by the guidance of the Holy Spirit who is at work within us. We serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. And thanks be to God for that and the freedom of it. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pray with me. God, we do thank you for your word and we thank you for the freedom that we have in you. Jesus, we bless you for your goodness. We bless you that you have not left us alone but have sent your spirit to live within us and to guide us both as we follow you and as we serve in your name. Thank you, Lord. Lead us, we pray, in your name. Amen.